Welcome to the Service Driven Life Podcast. I am your host, Tracy Clark, and I have set up over 4,000 nonprofits and received over $10 million in grant funding. This podcast is designed to highlight community heroes and give tips on nonprofit and service-based business growth. Welcome back to the Service Driven Life Podcast. Welcome, welcome, Earth Angels. I'm so excited about this episode because I'm talking about the top subject I get the most questions about, which is funding. Whether it be for service-driven businesses or for nonprofits, funding is our top area that we get the most questions about. Now, before I get into three traits in my highest funded nonprofits, I want to be sure to let you know that one of those highest funded nonprofits will actually be here in two weeks, not only telling you all about how he has secured over $500,000 in one year, y'all, he is only, I want to say that the nonprofit is about two to three years old. He is also one of our nonprofits that got the largest first grant, which was $75,000 for a nonprofit. So you're going to be hearing it straight from the horse's mouth. Um, But he also has a program where he helps other executive directors directors who are struggling with bringing in funding, with leading their nonprofit community. So he's going to be talking all about that as well. So that's really exciting. That's going to be not this next podcast next Monday, but that following Monday that will be coming out, guys. So make sure you mark your calendars. If your notifications are on or if you aren't following the podcast, be sure to do that as well. And speaking of following the podcast, listen, the way that our podcast grows is when you share. The basis of our business was built on referrals. So if you know that there are other people who are trying to fund a nonprofit or trying to fund a small business, take a screenshot, share this on social media. This way we are able to grow and serve as many nonprofits and businesses as possible. So Let's dig right on in to the top three traits of the highest funded nonprofit clients that I have. Again, we serve over 4,000 nonprofit clients, and it really gives me a great vantage point. And I'm just, I'm, I'm like super impressed. It almost, guys, it's like almost a, a divine vantage point because it's amazing when I start to see nonprofits that are doing similar things, but in other areas, whether it be in similar things in different subjects or similar things in different areas of the U.S., it's absolutely amazing. It makes me feel like it's like a connection to the divine and what he he's wanting to get done right now because these people don't know each other, but they're trying to touch the world in similar ways. So I just feel like it's just like, this is the way that the world is supposed to be moving right now, or these are the things that are needed right now. But it also gives me a great vantage point because I'm able to see different nonprofits that succeed immediately, that immediately start accessing funding, immediately have community that's that's building around them, clients, board members, um, uh, the uh, funders, people that they serve, all the different community is starting to build around them, and they're just succeeding as a nonprofit. And I also see the drastic other end which is nonprofits that are struggling, that may be already um, developed for a couple of years and still haven't gotten any traction, hasn't started their programs, um, hasn't been able, been able to secure much funding, um, haven't been able to really bring on much community. And so it gives me the opportunity to really sit back and study. Why is it that these nonprofits are thriving, but these nonprofits are having a harder time? And so I saw, I started to see three traits that came up 
consistently with the nonprofits that are thriving. And I think this is just an amazing information to share so that it gives the opportunity for those who are having a hard time to see what the areas are that they may be missing and how they can be able to fill in those gaps. So we're going to start with the number one area that I see um, in the nonprofits that are thriving, the number one area that I see in the nonprofits uh, thriving. And guys, something just coming to me right now, which is a little bonus area, which is time. Now that's not the number one area. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. But what do I mean by time? If you want something to grow, you have to put time into it. So one of the areas that I do see, one of the issues I see with a lot of nonprofits that are not growing is they're doing, this is one of 10 business ideas. You know, this nonprofit is one of 10 things they're doing. They also have this business. They also have that. And it's okay to have multiple things. But if you stretch yourself too thin, basically you're going to be growing at a slower rate because you're trying to grow multiple organizations at the same time. But your superpower is to focus all of your energy into one area, grow that area, and then expand from there. And when you do that, your time is most valuable, especially if you're doing this while, um, while working a full-time job. So you already have 40 hours, that's a chunk taken out of your day. If you're then taking that leftover time, don't let's not talk about if you're a mom or a wife or a spouse in general or whatnot. Um, but if you're already having that small amount of time and then you're divvying that up amongst five to 10 projects that you're working on, you are gonna see slower growth. So if you wanna see faster growth, you need to look at your items. And this is something that y'all, I do this almost on a daily. <laughs> And this is something that my coach talks about a lot, uh, Kat, shout out to Kat, but she talks a lot about simplification. What can get cut? You know, we're living in a world right now where distraction is the number one thing. Distraction, oh, I want to do this. Now I want to do this. Now I want to do that. Now I want to do this. And you're in a constant distraction and you're not making progress because you're constantly jumping. There's another word for it, shiny, shiny object syndrome where you're constantly jumping from one thing to another. And so it's so important for you to focus your energy and for you to be willing to make the decision to cut certain things. That's a hard decision to make. Like, you know what? These are all great, but what's my priorities right now? This may not be, I, and guys, coming from a visionary perspective, because I will be considering myself a visionary, and I know that a lot of you guys starting nonprofits are visionaries as well, and what that means sometimes is you are getting ideas left and right. You do get a lot of ideas, and that is a blessing. Don't knock yourself for that or anything like that. There are people who uh, put together groups to try to source ideas because they don't get ideas as easy, but one of the big pivoting points for me when I was building my business, I would say maybe about 10 years ago, was realizing that all of these ideas are not necessarily for me to start right now. And I'll take it a step further. For me, I realized that they were not necessarily for me. There have been, there has been several ideas that I got years ago. And when I was able to link with another nonprofit, I realized, oh my goodness, wow. This will really, really be beneficial to the point where sometimes the name of the nonprofit and the name of the idea was exactly the same. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is for you. This is for me to be able to coach you properly and for you to be able to grow in this area. This is something that was downloaded me years ago. So you don't have to, you can't do everything right now. You only have a certain limited amount of time. So a, a unique trait is to be able to prioritize 
and really focus on the things that matter the most. And that can be a hard, tough thing to do. So I challenge you before we dig into this little side challenge, I challenge you to really assess where your time is going and what you're doing and what are some things, how much of it can you cut? Like really challenge yourself. And eh, well, do I really need to do that? Can that be outsourced? Now, that's another thing for CEOs, executive directors. They are masters of outsourcing. And when you're trying to be a solopreneur or you want things done exactly how you would do them, you want it to be done perfectly, you are going to grow at a slower rate because you can't do everything. You can only do so much. You only have so much time. So I challenge you to see what can get cut, what can get outsourced, what can get delayed. Does it have to get done today? And what are the top priorities that you want to work on? So that's just a little side challenge. I want to just want to make sure I threw that out there because before we even get into these top three things and top three ways that um, nonprofits are succeeding, the ones who are getting the funding and who are building the community and what they're doing, if you don't have time to put into it, then it really, that's really the foundation. You know, anything you want to grow, you have to have time to put into it. So now let's get into number one. <laughs> number one is passion, y'all, passion. I feel the passion of these nonprofit leaders before they even start speaking. When I when I start when I have a conversation with them, I I've honestly just just the ones that I the the ones that are my top in my head, which is this is the top ten um, funded nonprofits that I've served. Honestly, I've never really had to. I never really had to pick at and question, ask a lot of questions about their nonprofit's mission because they were so passionate about it that they were just, they already had all the information. They knew this was an area that they were called to. They were excited about serving this area. They had their why. Their why was, you know, majority of the nonprofits that I service, either they saw a problem and we'll get into that in number two. They saw a problem that they knew really, they were really passionate about that it needs to be fixed or either they actually have a history of the problem, whether that be domestic violence like myself, or rather that be um rather that be a history of in the last um, episode that we that we talked or whatever, Devontae was saying how he dealt with depression and suicidal thoughts and things like that. Like they experienced something and they really wanted to create change in this area. And that's where that passion is birthed from. So you know building a nonprofit or building anything is a challenge. You're putting your time into it. You're putting your money into it. You're talking about it and getting community excited about it. It is a process. And so without being passionate about it or it being something that, yeah, I, I don't know, I'm going to serve women. You know what I mean? Just when it's general like that and you really don't have, um, there's really not a heavy why, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Number one, when you have a why, you can be more specific about the people that you serve. The more specific you are about the people that you serve, the easier it is to not only attract the people that you want to serve, but also attract other people who want to serve in that area, who want to fund that area or volunteer um, or serve on the staff or serve on the board when it gets specific, you know? So really take some time and think about, is this something I'm really called to do? Is this something I'm passionate about? Um, and if not, what am I passionate about? <laughs> Maybe I need to get more specific with my mission. You know, we are living in a very interesting 
crazy <laughs> time. Um, also, we're blessed to live in this time as well. You know, uh, it's one of the craziest times, but at the same time, um, one of the most abundant times, you know, we have access to things that our ancestors would have only dreamed to have access to as far as social media, podcasting, um, even, even when it comes to food and grocery stores and just having all of that stuff, having access to those different things, you know, that's wonderful to be able to start a nonprofit and not have to go and pass out flyers. And, uh, even though I serve a lot of nonprofits who do that, what is it, boots to the ground type work or whatever. And that's the way that they thrive. That's the way that they um, like to connect with the community. You can also connect with the community virtually, which is amazing. You know, you have the opportunity, that means that you have the opportunity to connect with so many more people. How many, how, how long would it take you to talk to individuals, to talk to 500 people individually about your nonprofit? If you were talking to them in person, how long would that take you? That might take you a couple of months. Now, if you get on social media or get on to a podcast or get on to Clubhouse, <laughs> it's funny because one of our nonprofits is called Clubhouse, but I know that there's the Clubhouse app too. But if you get onto any of these platforms and share about your nonprofit, what you're doing, the services you offer, your why, things like that, you can reach 500 people in the same day. Reels, y'all. Reels is where it's really at, where it's really reaching a lot of people right now as well, guys. So if you're not doing reels with your nonprofit, that's a little side note that I would suggest to you, you know? So, um, so yeah, so when you're passionate about what you're doing and why it's a little bit easier as well for you to talk about what you're doing because you know exactly who you're talking to. So passion is the number one thing. Let's get into number two. Number two is this problem is a community problem. I'm going to say that again. This problem is a community problem. It's for the community. So what does that mean? That means that these nonprofits have done their research or either have just had their ear to the community and been in the community. And they know for sure that this is not just a problem that they only see, but this is a problem that impacts a large area of the community. Why is that so important? Number one, because you'll have some people to serve, you know, so you don't have to have a problem. You, you wouldn't have the problem of, oh, I can't find people to serve. This is a community problem. So you can easily access those people who are having this issue, who are needing to be served because you've pulled up the statistics. You see how many women are um, maybe in need of shelter because of domestic violence, or you see how many people are depressed, uh, specifically in the minority community and avoiding therapy or counseling and things like that. And so you're creating a way for you to be able to serve them. So that's one of the big things that I see is these people, these nonprofit leaders, they have their ear to the community. They have their hands in the community and they know what the community needs. And it's not just a problem that, that they have access that, that they want to do. It's not just a problem in their head. It's a problem for an entire community. Why is that so important? That's so important because if it's a community problem, more than likely there are already funds that have been created to, for an example, what's one of our biggest community problems right now that they were talking about in the last, um, oh my gosh, what is that called? <laughs> the last presidential address, y'all know what it's called, uh, State of the Union, that's what it is. 
what they, they were talking about was the opioid crisis. There's a lot of funding going on. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a grant right now um, for a client specifically for uh, that helps with opioid um, um, uh, abuse and, you know, and having an opportunity to recover from that. And so if it's a community problem, that means that other people may have already provided some type of funding. There are other people that have been affected by it. There are other people that are excited about it. This is this is their community as well. They may have had family have, who have gone through this issue and it's easier to bring other people on because it's a community problem. Another thing that kind of aligns with that y'all is finding the gaps in service. You know, uh, for an example, I have a nonprofit that's specifically working on um, providing fresh, healthy, organic food for homeless individuals. And why are they doing that? Because they saw a gap and it's a, it's, it's a challenge. They're having a challenge because the reason why a lot of food pantries and things like that serve boxed foods, canned foods and things of that nature is because it's it saves, you know, it's non-perishable. So it's easy for it to, so it makes sense why they, why they um, have those majority of those types of items, but this specific nonprofit, she's like, you know what? I really want to see people who are having issues with feeding themselves and feeding them, their families have access to healthier foods, you know, cause when you have access to healthier foods, that's all the, the uh, materials that's going into you to, for you to be able to do different things to, to, for your mind to be working better, for your body to be working better, for you to be able to get up and go find and find whatever type of work you want to find or start a business or whatever that case may be. Um, a lot of times how you operate have to do with the foods that you're able to take in. So if you're constantly taking in processed food 24 seven, then you're going to have some challenges. You know, that's going to, you're going to have maybe some physical challenges now that you have to address as well. So that's the gap that she saw. And that's the gap that she's trying to um, address right now. So another um, thing basically is I've seen that a lot of nonprofits will look specifically for gaps in the community, gaps of service, because honestly, when it comes to nonprofits, sometimes there are certain areas that are overserved. You know, there are certain areas if there's, if there's, you know, 50 communities within a certain, or 50, I'm sorry, 50 pantries within a certain mile radius in your area, opening up another pantry might not be something that's most beneficial for your area. So that's why it's important for you to also do your research and find out who's doing work in this area and um, how you can get involved. You know, uh, there's a lot of nonprofits right now. I have a handful that are partnering with other nonprofit organizations. Not only is there grant funding when it comes to partner nonprofits, sometimes it's a little bit easier to access grant funding because if you as a one-year-old nonprofit partner with a five-year-old nonprofit, now you guys have a little bit more seniority. Um, and now that you have maybe more of a chance of accessing that grant funding as well. So, you know, don't be so into the competition aspect of it that you're not willing to partner with, volunteer for other nonprofits. I would say that I always suggest before a nonprofit even starts to volunteer with a nonprofit that's doing something similar. So that they can have a real true idea, again, of what the need is, how they're current, currently serving, and, um, you know, and what's working and what's not working. Sometimes there are certain things that you're not going to learn until you're actually in the field doing the work. So number one was passion. Number two is 
is this problem affecting the entire community? Is this problem affecting the entire community? Number three, but probably the most important <laughs> trait that I see with my highest funding, not funded nonprofit clients is that they focus on the mission and they focus on the service. They focus on mission. They focus on service. What is my mission? How can I help? What are the different projects that I'm doing or the different programs that I'm doing that is going to really affect the people? How can I connect with them? How can I um, market specifically to the people that I'm trying to connect with? And they focus on that why. They focus on, we were just talking in the last podcast on um, just making sure at your board meetings and whenever you're doing anything for your nonprofit programs, things like that, that you continuously state your mission and that your mission is clear. You know, um, if you have to, if, if your mission, you should be able to state your mission in an elevator pitch. People say elevator uh, pitch is like, what is it, uh, two minutes or something like that, that you should be able to quickly um, articulate what you're doing for the community, what problem you are solving. And, you know, sometimes you just have to remind yourself of that mission that, hey, you know, this is my mission. My mission is to empower women. My mission is to empower women. This is what I'm um, what I'm doing. This is my why. My why is empower women. I'm just going to continue to do that. And I'm going to make sure that I know about the opportunities and I'm doing my due diligence and applying for the opportunities. But I'm going to I'm going to just believe that the funding is going to follow as long as I'm continuing to pro provide impact in this area. Because the truth of the matter is that there is funding in almost every area that is a community problem. There is funding, funding, there is accessible funding in these areas, but you have to make sure that you're providing that impact and you're showing that impact. And when you're focused on the mission, you're doing things to provide that impact. You're documenting that impact. You're being okay with showing your face or getting on a podcast or doing whatever you have to do to market and let people know what you're doing in the community as well. Because so many of you guys, and I, I will tell you, yeah, some of y'all might be mad, <laughs> but I will tell you, it's just a teensy bit, bit annoying. It's one of our pet peeves when people do not want to, they're like, yeah, I want to start a nonprofit or I want to start a service-based business, but I don't want nobody to know that it's me starting it. I don't want nobody. I don't want, I don't want my face out there at all. I don't. And that's just something about that kind of doesn't just pass the sink test for me. If this is something that you're passionate about, if this is something that, you know, and there, there may be some additional reasons, um, like, okay, so for an example, there, there are some side notes to this, but generally it's just because you're not comfortable talking about what you're doing for the community and how do you get comfortable? Okay, I'm not comfortable in marketing. I'm not comfortable in social media. I mess up on my words all the time. Can I get an amen and raise my hand over here? Because that's me. <laughs> how do I get comfortable? Is I continue to show up. I will never forget y'all. For three and a half years, I showed up live. If y'all don't remember this, go back to, go to my social media page um, or actually just go to clarkandclark.org and there's a link tree at the bottom and you'll see all of the um, social media pages and things. If you go over to Facebook, you'll see all of the videos that we did live uh, interviewing nonprofit organizations or giving nonprofit tips every single Saturday for three and a half years, vacation or no vacation, we showed up live. Just this last year in 2021, we switched over to podcast format so that we could be able to bring more people on who were not able to just come on at that specific time. We went live every Saturday at 11 a.m. 
And um, when I first started doing those lives, I was like, oh, this is a great way to market. It's a great way to share um, nonprofits who are doing well. It's a great way for me to connect. But what I didn't realize until after that was that though my lives were for the community and they were for sharing information and um, connecting with individuals who wanted to start a nonprofit or who had a nonprofit and wanted it to grow or service-based business, it was even more so for me and my growth. It was such a challenge each week. Some weeks I didn't feel like going on live. Some weeks um, a family emergency happened or something happened where the person didn't end up showing up. So now I had to like come up with something (laughs) that I was going to talk about that live because I was supposed to be interviewing somebody, but that, you know, they need to be there live. There were times where we would have tech difficulties and things like that. And nothing's wrong with lives if that's your cup of tea. All I'm trying to say is there are so many different options and avenues for you to show up and talk about what you're doing for the community. Make sure that you're taking advantage of those. And if your thing is, I'm not a social, how many times have I had a a dollar for every time I heard, I'm not a social media person. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. That's not how y'all sound. (laughs) But if I had a dollar for every time that I heard that, I swear, you know, I would be a gazillionaire right now. You know, the way to get past that it's just to show up. Every time you show up, you get better, you get better and better, you get more and more comfortable. And one thing that I learned is if you are passionate about the people that you're serving, then you don't have to be a social media person. You're just talking about what you're passionate about. If you can talk to an individual, if you're a relationship person and you gotta love talking to people and, you know, just me me and one-on-one is bomb. I love just talking to people one-on-one and just being able to exchange in that way. And one thing that I did a couple of years ago was I transitioned that over to my marketing and my social media. If you can build a relationship one-on-one and you can communicate and you can, you know, talk back and forth, listen to what their, um, what their challenges are, speak to their challenges and things like that, then you can do it on social media. It's the exact same way because these are relationships. These are people. These are people who are looking for your services or looking for an area to be able to serve or help the community, um, you know, and you, you have your information that can come up where they can be able to connect with that. But if your information is not there, how can they connect? And a lot of people get really, you know, frazzled with the type of community that they have, whether or not they've built up a large number or whether or not they have, you know, how many followers they have or how many likes they have on something or something of that nature. Let me tell y'all, I have on countless, countless times personally and with other clients as well, they have did a live, did a reel, um, did just a a post or something like that and was able to make a connection with a funder, a grant, a client. And this thing might have had 10 or 15 likes or views or whatever the case may be. You never know who's listening, what connections they have and what type of opportunities that would be, there would be for you. So make sure, and y'all, what's the episode number? There's an episode, I want to say it might be episode number five with Kat Dale Carmen. That's our social media coach. And we talk about all kinds of tips on social media. So got off on a tangent there. So the last one again, guys, was focusing on the mission and focusing on service. Sometimes we can get so focused on the funding that we're not creating impact. And that we're getting so frustrated with that, that we're like, oh, I don't even feel like serving because the funding isn't coming in as fast as I want it to come in or the funding isn't, you know, again, 
thunders a big a big um um i would say quote in the nonprofit community is that funders fund people not organizations funders fund people not organizations what does that mean that means that they want to know who the people are behind the organization. That's really the unique thing that makes your organization stand out. And they are also people as well. So you have to connect with them as people, not just funding or organization. You have to connect in a relationship, your, is that a word? (laughs) Way and actually connect to them as individuals. Because the truth of the matter is that a lot of funders, they also have benefits in funding. We're going to talk about this in part two next week, which is where does the funding come from? But a lot of funders have benefits in funding your organizations, tax write-offs, some businesses um, fund different nonprofits. And of course their heart is to fund the nonprofit as well, but there are, these are additional benefits. Um, businesses as far as marketing and promotion for them to support nonprofits that's huge i try my best to support only businesses that are supporting an area of the community and nonprofits and things like that you know um and then not to mention grants a lot of the funders private foundations they actually are nonprofits as well so they get to not pay the full taxes that um that a business or organization would specifically pay because they are helping certain areas of the community all your job is is to show that you are serving the area of the community that they are wanting to assist and it's hard for you to do that if you're so distracted by the funding that you're not really making traction in the actual impact and service area okay so those are the top three areas that and top three traits that i've seen in my highest funding not funded nonprofits. Don't forget next week, we're going to talk about where does the funding come from? Because I feel like when you have the education and you understand where funding comes from for a lot of nonprofit organizations, it makes it a little bit easier and it makes you kind of understand the process a little bit more. And once you understand something a little bit more, it's easier to access the funding. So we're going to talk about where does the funding come from? But before I let you go, I just want to end with a quick question. This is my favorite question to ask nonprofits, absolute favorite, and service-based businesses alike. And I want you to meditate on this. Take take some time, you know, decide, you know what, I'm going to take 15 minutes and think about this. I'm going to get a pen and paper out and really just answer this question, which is, are you prepared for the funding? Are you prepared for the funding? Where would it go? How soon could you get started? How soon would that funding actually go to the area of the community that the funder wants to serve? Because funders don't want to give you funds to sit there. They want to know that this that this uh, that these funds are going to go into action. <laughs> that they're going to put a little legs on and get started with creating the impact. They want to know that the numbers are going to decrease or increase depending upon the area that you're serving when this funding. And so many times, y'all, countless times, I've asked this to clients. I've asked this question. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know where I would go. I don't know exactly what area I need funding in. I don't know exactly how much I need in this. And if you don't know the answers to those questions. It's going to be really hard for you to be able to access the funding because number one, a a majority of funders are going to ask for a budget. So they want to know, you know, what is the budget? Where is this, this funding going to be going? So if you don't have a budget prepared, you know, that rules you out of being able to receive some of this funding. 
And so it's so important for you to break down exactly what you need the funding for. Not to mention, there is a lot of grants that are in-kind grants. So it may be easier if you're like, you know what, I'm creating a computer coding. I have a lot of coding nonprofits. I'm doing a coding um, program for youth and I really need funding for computers. Well, thank you for letting us know exactly where this fund, what funding you need, because it's a lot easier to get computers donated than it is to get someone to give you the funding for you to go purchase the computers. Did you know that? So when you break down where the funding is going to go, you can then offset some of those different things and maybe be able to get some of those different things donated. Even some people even do in-kind services. So you're like, hey, I need to do a website or marketing or things like that. There are some people, and as a matter of fact, um, I'm going to pull up a name of an organization right now that does in-kind websites for nonprofit organizations. And so once you break that down, it becomes easier for you to access the funding when you know exactly what's gonna, what, you know, what you're gonna use it for. And if you're not prepared, if you don't know what you're gonna use it for, I would say to focus on preparation. Focus on, am I prepared? Am I prepared for the vision that I have? Am I prepared for someone to give me this funding right now and for me to really run with the vision? And if I'm not, let me just focus on my part which is being prepared. And the more prepared I become, the more funding that I will start to attract as well. So the name of that website provider is 48in48.org slash nonprofit. 48, that's the number, 48NIN48 slash nonprofit. And they actually do free websites for nonprofits. So just want to give you guys that as well. It was so good speaking with you all. I know I've been doing a lot of interviews lately. So it was good just to speak with you all one-on-one. And I will see you all in the next episode.